You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Join us on your segment of After Dinner Mints. And Alhamdulillah, After Dinner Mints, we welcome none other than our very own Ibrahim Ba on his segment of Travel Express. Ibrahim Ba, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening, Ba? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shapat. Always good to hear your voice. Always good to interact with you, and hopefully uh, add value to the lives of our listeners out there. Alhamdulillah, it's a nice, uh, cool day we had. Uh, nice evening, as opposed to the other sweltering days we had. So we must be thankful to Allah for His mercy. Yes, uh, Ibrahim. I always say, "Kis kis nemeti apki rabki jutlawage." And the answer is none. But, you know, looking around us and seeing the scenarios of this world, uh, we can see the aggression, uh, the uh, type of, uh, you know, uh, message that is coming through. What hope do we have for humanity going forward for the next 30, 40, 50 years? What hope do we have for our children who are watching these people with impunity, Mm. actually massacring and causing genocide? I mean, the children sitting on rubble, and crying out, my dad has been martyred, my family have been martyred, there they are under the rubbles and so forth. What do we do, Ba? Look, the only thing we can do is uh, appreciate the fact that Allah knows what is happening. Nothing will happen without His will, okay? And therein we must seek solace and, of course, make dua and pray and invoke Allah to try and ease the plight of these people. You know, I mean, it is so desperate now. I don't think... Any sane person even wants to look at those images. They are so horrific, you know. And the thing is, it's indiscriminate slaughter of the innocents. And uh, I don't think these people will stop unless there is divine intervention that will stop them. Because A, it has separated all the hypocrites, the munafiks and everyone, right? All our so-called Muslim leaders in the in in the Middle East, uh, of course. Let's not talk about the so-called West. They are all in on it. And the thing is, this is God's plan. This is Allah's plan. There is no way, no two ways about it. And the thing is, we are looking at it for what it is. Yes, twenty twenty-five thousand people have been killed, you know, slaughtered literally, and most of them children and women. And I don't know how many tens of thousands are buried under the rubble. And uh, the sad thing is that there is no indication of where this is going to end. And uh, for all we know, the thing is, if if we look at the body count right now, and I'm not taking this thing lightly, please just understand this. I'm just looking at the the greater picture. The thing is, let's just say hypothetically, we lose 50,000 or or 100,000. I mean, if you look at the wars, that uh, went before the first, the second, and multitude of others were millions. Let's look at Iraq, for instance, and Libya and Syria. How many people have lost their lives over there? And uh, yes, this is indiscriminate slaughter. There is no denying that. And uh, we've just got to make dua to Allah and, uh, you know, trust in His plan. I mean, if it was ordained for you and I to be there and to be taken out as well, we would be there. And... uh, most of those people that are there are all dying as martyrs. So why are we, you know, not considering that aspect? You know, Allah says very clearly, consider them not as they are dead. Yeah, they are with me. I take care of them. I feed them with provisions and things like that. And 
all the children. It has been said that those children that have been martyred over there, I mean, they will be the care in the care of of none other than Hazrat Ibrahim and and Sarah, and they will return to their parents uh, when they reach the the uh, you know judgment day. So we must take uh, solace and hope in that uh, bar because uh, come the end of time, and this is just the beginning, you know, of what we are going to be facing in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Allah knows if there's even going to be a world there by then. If there is, and I'm not sure what it's going to be like because uh, Shaitan has everyone, all these leaders in thrall, right? And they are doing his bidding. Otherwise, nobody in their sane mind, in their right mind can explain how the leaders of the world, supposedly civilized leaders of the world, can go along with this slaughter? How can you do it? Unless they've got the dirt on you, right? That you are so worried about your seat of power and the things you just got to do, what your master uh, instructs you. And the thing is, it is very easy, uh, you know, to determine who's calling the shots. I mean, if you want to know who really rules over you, Find out who's the one you cannot criticize. And currently you cannot criticize anything that the Israelis do, the Zionists do. You can cannot. You can criticize uh, the West. You can criticize just about anyone you care to. You can even negate the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's fine. They can make a mockery out of the Prophet and uh, Nabi Isa and everyone. It's fine. It's fair game according to them. It's freedom of speech. But there you try that with that entity in Israel, that criminal entity in, in, in Israel and see what happens to you. That is where we are at, right? And this is all going to usher in the arrival of Dajjal in the not too distant future. So we are going to have to be strong. We're going to have to be reaffirming our faith in Allah. And it is said towards the end time when you cannot buy and sell anything when Dajjal is in his, in his you know, heyday here on earth then what's going to sustain the believers, if not the zikr of Allah? So this is what we must take, uh, you know, hope and have faith in, because Allah will never let the work of any believer go to waste. He says that very clearly, and we must understand that for what it is. And we shouldn't look to any mortal that's going to come to the fore suddenly and says, OK, stop the music now. You will had enough, you know, call it a day. It's not going to happen just yet, Bob we're still going to see more and more worse atrocities. What they are looking now is to expand that into a regional conflict. They are after Iran. That is the case. And this is what they are doing. They are trying to get so outrageous that people, you know, would lose their cool and, and do something rash, and there we have it. And if someone attacks Iran or Syria, then make no mistake, Russia and China are not going to stand by and watch watch the destruction. So it'll become a world conflagration. So as you know, with COVID, they tried to kill us. And you can see now, as the days are going from the time they took the vaccine until now, the numbers are increasing exponentially. There's millions and millions that are dying now of all sorts of complications, okay? And uh, a world war would suit them just fine to reduce the population as they, they claim, the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and all the rest of these crazy people that uh, they'd ideally like to have just 500 million, million people on the earth just to serve them. That's it. So this is the, the agenda. And the thing is, unfortunately, we can see it playing itself out in in real life, you know, and all the, the, the social media, the video feeds and everything that Alhamdulillah is still coming out of there. Otherwise, they would have buried and hidden everything as if it never happened.
Yeah, some of the journalists uh, or even the ministers uh, that are coming on uh, uh, mainstream media are being laughed at uh, the blatant mm-hmm. lies uh, that they uh, uh, talk. And, uh, you know, as you made a valid point, in the Western, so-called Western Christian countries, uh, you can blaspheme in the name of your your prophet. You can laugh at him and you can talk about Jesus and Mary Magdalene and mm-hmm. what uh, stories they make of him. That is all and good. But this mentioned the H word. And that it never existed. Then they, you can go to jail, or they can, you know, that's it. That's it. Seriously, it's been taken. And as you made the point, the Zionists got everyone literally where they want it's to. It's finished. It's over. It's uh, you know the story, Ba. But uh, moving on and uh, looking at uh, some of the topics uh, that we'll be discussing uh, this uh, evening. One of them is that uh, yes, a plane with thirty tourists on board crash lands in the Tanzania National Park. Hey, lucky it didn't hit a hippopotamus or a rhinoceros. You know, I'm just saying this tongue-in-cheek. They couldn't wait to get down on the ground to see the wild animals. So they took this (laughs) one. That's a good one. No, no, no. On a more serious note. (laughs) Let's get a bit serious here. Yeah. It was one of these uh, smaller planes, you know, the thing is, especially for regional uh, sort of travel, air travel, where there are dirt strips, when I say strips, I mean landing landing strips and things like that, short and things like that. So it was a small uh, plane, an Embraer Brazilian-made uh, EMB-120. And uh, this happened in eastern Tanzania a few days ago. All of those 30 foreign tourists were on board, two pilots and one cabin crew emerged, alhamdulillah, unharmed after their plane crash-landed on the airstrip at Mikumi National Park. Allah knows where that is. It's somewhere in Tanzania. I don't. I won't profess to know it, but it must be somewhere in the bush over there. But anyway, the mishap occurred during a flight from Zanzibar due to a technical glitch. According to the senior conservation officer for the uh, Tanzania National Parks, the pilots, in collaboration with airstrip officials, ensured the safety of all passengers. And of course, uh, not to be outdone, the tourists later continued on their scheduled tour of the park. Now, uh, Tanzania National Parks has alerted the Ministry of Transport to investigate the cause of the problem that led to this uh, unfortunate crash. And uh, notably, this incident followed an earlier occurrence, mind you, where another plane affiliated with Unity Air Zanzibar veered off the runway during approach, resulting in a crash landing. So whether it's a pilot error or technical issues or poor maintenance of the uh, equipment, when I say equipment, I mean the the plane itself, the Ministry uh, of Transport is actively investigating both incidents to ascertain the causes. And uh, we are very fortunate in both cases, as are all the passengers and pilots and crew, that there were no reported injuries. So Alhamdulillah over there. And authorities are committed to ensuring the safety and well-being of all involved. So that's the story there, Ba. And uh, they say this all the time, but uh, sometimes things slip through the gaps, you know, and this is where we get these things happening. Yeah, someone's uh, reporting uh, with all the information coming from the Bundus and the Burundus and all that. And that's quite good, Ba. You know, once upon a time when you heard about the safari tours and going into Africa and deepest Africa, it was Mm. a more... We'll, uh, the European and American tourists, you know, of the uh, more of the white man 
stocks in Foktang. You know who said that? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. These were the people that used to be at the fore of Mm -hmm. tourism, you know, safari and so forth. And even coming with the cameras and making Tarzan uh, the king of the jungle. (laughs) That is another story altogether. But the bottom and, you know, the Tarzan, the sound used to make. Johnny Weissmuller, I think you know him. As light is you and I were captivated mm-hmm. by him swinging and clapping the lions and the tigers and so forth. But on a, you know, looking at tourism or safari a game, uh, you know, touring, uh, how has it changed? It seemed as if you know, yesterday the Chinese were not big tourists going into uh, safari parks and game reserves. Suddenly, you see that there's a uh, uh, Chinese uh, stampede. What's the reason for that, Ba? You see, Ba, the thing is because we are born and bred South African, we see lions and tigers, uh, not tigers, elephants, buffalo and all the rhinos and all the rest of it. So to us, it's a bit of a, you know, yeah, you know about it, you treat it, uh, you know, with disdain and things. But to those who have not seen anything of it, believe me, it is so alluring that they cannot resist and they do come along and it's not cheap, Ba. It's not cheap going to any of these game parks, whether it's just the ordinary national park or whether it's a private uh, affair, it costs you an arm and a leg. Now, coming back to the Chinese market, it was very much closed until recently, when I say recently, past 10, 15 years or so, where things have started opening up and uh, they've been to most of the places and they don't want to go to any other big city because they got Beijing, they got Shanghai and all sorts of other big cities over there that will, you know, make ours look like a little village somewhere in the far Bundu. So uh, this is what has happened and uh, they are promoting the uh, wildlife uh, sanctuaries very, very aggressively, especially Eastern Africa, uh, like uh, places like Tanzania, uh, Kenya, also South Africa. And uh, this is what what is drawing them. So the demographics have shifted and changed over the years where it used to be, uh, you know, mostly people of uh, European background. The thing is now more Asians and of course a lot of Africans are going there as well, even though it might seem strange, but the thing is, uh, it's so beautiful, you know, and the thing is, uh, I I remember when we were taking that uh, overland convoy to Gaza in 2011, we were there, right there in uh, Tanzania, in Arusha, and what a reception they gave us. Poor people, but uh, hearts of gold. And coming back to it, they begged us to stay, to take us to the Ngorogoro crater, and go. I said, sorry, we're on such a tight schedule, maybe another time. But uh, I would love to have gone, maybe to see the migration, Serengeti and things like that. But uh, that is something that is uh, unseen, unheard of, anywhere else in the world. It's a one-off, it's unique to the place. And this is what uh, is so alluring. And uh, irrespective of what the cost, the people still come in. You know, we have operators over there that we uh, sort of uh, deal with and liaise with. And uh, most times you try and get bookings. It's difficult, you know, at any price, because uh, all the ones that come there, most uh, most times uh, well healed, they are seasoned travelers and things like that. So, and of course, uh, no two visits to any one park is the same bar. You can go there and some days you won't see anything special and some days you go there, you, you see the whole world over there. So I think this is what is drawing the Chinese market, not just to Africa, but uh, to other places that are far flung.
But you know, you in the game, you in the game of travel, and you know, you've mm. seen it for so many years. And maybe uh, you could answer this question. I'm looking at India. The Mughals gave India, you know, a tourism just about everything in 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 a platter. They gave yeah. it to these uh, these Hindus, the ingrateful, uh, the ingrates. Now I call them the BJP. They want to change names and they want to uh, denigrate the Mughals. They gave it to them in a platter. They gave them tourism in a platter. You're going to make billions out of this for the rest of your life. They still denigrate them. Then uh, you, uh, the, the second point is when you look at uh, Turkey. Turkey has mm. got a powerful country, uh, rich in history, also uh, tourism uh, platter. And then uh, you look at uh, Africa, maybe because of the game parks and so forth. There's another tourism de- destiny, and uh, China or maybe it has its history. But uh, looking at it, you know, America and the Grand Canyons. I mean, what America's got, uh, you know, what we can just say they're good in uh, propaganda. Uh, uh, I mean, in your opinion, Ba, I mean, uh, oh, you look at Makkah uh, and uh, Medina, yeah. I mean, that Allah gave mm. those Saudias, they, uh, now they claim custodianship, they are the custodians of it, but that is a billion trillion dollar money making machine exactly. for them, whereas it's supposed to be, you know, a spiritual thing, but Allah mm. Alam, in your opinion, Ba, which is the best uh, tourist uh, market and who's making those zillions out of tourism? Talk to us, Ba. Well, the ones that you cited are the ones of, uh, you know, primary uh, sort of uh, position right now. But uh, if you ask me, I think currently uh, Turkey is proving to be very, very attractive. Uh, Firstly, they've destroyed their currency to worth uh, even less than our our worthless rand. And uh, the allure is such, it it is such a tapestry. It's not just like you come to see uh, the game over here or any particular attraction there or something like that. This has got such a whole lot. You can go there time and time again. Believe me, I've made many trips over there and I haven't even scratched the surface. You know, when you go uh, further uh, eastward, you know, there's untouched and the culture is so rich and, you know, it's an Islamic country and, Oh my God, there's just so many things that, that will appeal to even the most jaded traveler, you know, where you've been to one fancy hotel and, you know, it could be anywhere in any city on earth. But uh, Turkey really is uh, proving to be very, very popular right now. Of course, they are, you know, I'm talking about Makkah and Medina, that will be the religious thing that will be there perennially. It's it's not something there, but uh, mostly it will appeal, of course, to the uh, Muslim uh, sort of community, so to speak. India has got a lot. It, it has uh, sort of uh, made uh, efforts to try and grow that market. And uh, it is something that can be improved upon. And uh, as much as we like to slate places like Europe and all that, if you've traveled there, and I mean really travel, not just flying from point to point, but uh, a taking a train and maybe a coach or even driving. Uh, there's a lot of uh, attractions over there, both natural beauty, scenic and things like that, as well as uh, cultural. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're all civilized. You know, so, who has it? somebody said something. I think someone asked uh, Gandhi, I think it was, what do you think of Western civilization? And he replied that it's a good idea. So... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of things uh, to be seen and done there. But uh, again, of course, uh, with the euro being so strong and uh, on the contrary, our, con- our currency being so weak. So I think uh, your best uh, bang for buck would be right now 
I think, uh, Turkey, unambiguously. And it, 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 it sort of caters to everyone and everything, whether you want to go shopping, whether you want to go and sightsee, whether you want to go gule sailing, skiing, whatever, you name it, or even for that matter, uh, you know, on a religious uh, tour or to uh, explore, you know, places of uh, historical importance. You just can't beat the place, Ma. Right, Ma, as you said, with the rand. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a grand uh, holiday with a rand. You I can. Mean, that's, you can. It's unreal, ba. When yeah. you having your next trip? Allah knows, huh? Allah knows. At the moment, uh, I'm a bit tied down. It's the silly season, and you know, everyone loses all inhibitions and become, you know, even worse than animals sometimes. And the thing is, uh, we're going to have to double our staff complement just to cater for the next uh, six to eight weeks. So I'm not planning on going anywhere just yet. Perhaps in the new year, but uh, not just yet. If you and I go, we'll have to take the whole studio with us, Abba. Well, why not? Huh? At, <laughs> least we, at least, at least we can we can uh, let the uh, listeners, uh, you know, listen and see everything through our eyes, so to speak, as we travel. It will be a good idea someday. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe before we make Parza from here. Yeah, I'm, please. I'll say, traveling with my bar. <laughs> and Shafat. Uh, but on a more serious note, hand baggage regulations will be rigorously enforced, says AXA, as a festive season travel. So that auntie that loves her big handbag, <laughs> she, they will say, no, 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 no. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Mm-hmm. Pay that thing, you're going to pay so much. Talk to us, Bach. Yeah, look, the thing is, uh, rules are rules and, uh, you know, regulations are regulations for a reason, of course. Right, and uh, that is why, I mean, if you take uh, any aircraft on any given day, it has uh, its uh, load capacity, right? There's uh, so many tons of uh, equipment, meaning the aircraft itself, and then you've got all the passengers, and then you've got everything in the belly of the aircraft, including everyone's baggage and some cargo to boot. And uh, they, it's a, it's a science, really, that they sit and calculate everything. Okay, I've got 100 passengers at an average weight of anything between 70 and 90 kgs each. It's going to work out so much. We've got to set the trim. We've got to set them, seat them so much so that there's more or less an even balance. And, of course, make sure that the, uh, the baggage and other cargo that goes in underneath is all secured and uh, sort of distributed uh, evenly again you know, for good balance and uh, uh, flight. Now, this is why they regulate the size of the uh, on uh, cabin baggage, so to speak. Okay. And they are set dimensions uh, to give it to you is uh, 56 by 36 by 23. That's the width, height and uh, uh, the, the depth of it. Right. Uh, so if you're going to exceed that, they have like a, a template that if your bag don't fit in there, you go back to the check-in count to check it in and you're going to pay through your nose. And the weight limit for economy class is just seven kgs. All right, you can get away with uh, a bag, right, a trolley bag that goes uh, into the overhead storage and a slimline laptop bag or a handbag. Okay, that's what they allow you. But uh, you get some people that really push the limits. They'll come on with the bags like you can't imagine. Some that are naive and are traveling for the first time will take the entire suit, suitcase, like I watched the last time we were going to Cape Town just recently, I think it was in September. 
there was this group of 10 people, most probably, uh, you know, not from not city slickers, most probably from the country. So when they were at the at the security with all the uh, suitcases, and of course they were shunted back to the check-in and had to do all that. But uh, yeah, there is a reason for that. And I think also a secondary reason is to make money, okay? Because they charge you an arm and a leg for every kg that you have overweight that you're gonna check in, okay? And uh, it's the festive season, so what better time to uh, reinforce uh, these stringent uh, handbaggage regulations? Okay, most times I find that they are lenient and they'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but uh, Having said that, the thing is, the more you give them a finger, they take your arm and before long the passengers uh, do something outrageous and then it's all out the window. So uh, this is what they are saying is now, they just want to keep an eye out for and identify passengers who are not complying with the uh, regulations uh, so much so. And uh, then you just take them back to the check-in counter and tell them, okay, fine, you decide you're either going to check this bag in and baggage in and you pay the extra amount or will uh, offload you and you miss the flight and you're a no-show and irrespective of what ticket you buy, you're going to be liable for all the uh, costs incurred. So uh, this is what is happening and of course uh, this has been uh, sort of supported by the board of airline representatives in South Africa and of course the Airlines Association of Southern Africa, they have come out in support of this thing and uh, of course it makes for a more on-time performance and departures and arrivals and things like that, but we shouldn't be uh, losing sight of that critical uh, and important fact, all right? Because if you go in there and then you've got to go back to the uh, to the check-in counter, most times that would, be, would have been closed because boarding has already started. So it results in unnecessary and undue delay that costs the airline money and of course inconveniences uh, the passengers as well. So we must take that into consideration and uh, good advice I think is uh, anyone that's considering or is going to travel during this festive season should just uh, abide by the rules. That way you have a nice uh, stress-free flight and hope that it leaves on time given the uh, many, many people that are going to be traveling and have a good trip. That's about it, Pa. You know, Ba, I'm looking at this uh, headline here. It says, uh, Puff Adder sp- spotted sun bathing on the table mountain. Now, uh, the question to pose to you, Ba, is uh, the tour guide or the person that takes you out onto a trail and there he's advising you and he's giving mm. you advice. And uh, he, there he's taking you off this trail and there's a Puff Adder there. Uh, shouldn't he be, like, armed and he should be someone that uh, knows his terrain well? And how does he soothe and calm the people? Uh, do they go to special training? If they're going to special routes like this, bar where just Mr. Puff Adder, hey, <laughs> puffing up and looking <laughs> at you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, bar for what it's worth, uh, most of these people that are hey, either wardens or uh, guides in the park, South African National Parks, and the thing is, we must uh, take our hats off to them because uh, our guys are like among the uh, top, right? That you can get anywhere globally. They know their stuff and they know how to take care of situations like this. Uh, insofar as being armed, I'm not sure what they're going to have because hey, we don't want to kill the creature, right? It's his habitat and we are sort of invading there. So I think apart from uh, apart from uh, giving them proper uh, pre-tour instruction as to what to look out for and things like that. Now, despite the best of efforts, the thing is sometimes if it's meant to be, you're going to step on it and if, God forbid, you get bitten, then you're in serious trouble. 
but uh, that puff adder it's uh, it's a natural habitat that is uh, Cape, uh, Cape uh, Table Mountain we mustn't forget that and uh, there's also Cape Cobra and the puff adder that we are talking about right now both of them and most of them are shy they try and avoid humans and hikers but uh, you've got to be alert and you've got to look where you're putting your next foot forward yeah because everyone gets so uh, taken in by the uh, beautiful natural scenery flora, the flora and everything that one just walks looking at the horizon and maybe way out in front and not looking where you're putting your next foot so it's important that uh, whoever's going to be going on those adventure trails, it's a beautiful trail, trust me, uh, that you watch your step and keep an eye out for these uh, fascinating but uh, potentially dangerous reptiles. And just stay out, stay safe out there. That's all you can do, Ba. You know, Ba, talking about puffada and all the snakes, uh, the snake catcher amazes me. That mm. one, uh, you know, the intaser den. And yeah. there's so many snakes, literally, strolling in the city. I mean, coming up your sewer pipe and next moment they're looking at you and going down again. So many snakes in Durban now, Ba, in the flats. What's happening? Yeah, yeah well, it's summer, don't forget. Huh? And the thing is, the more uh, society uh, grows and goes out further into their natural habitat, the thing is, uh, what do they do? Where do they go? And then they're looking for food like everyone else. And the thing is, because the, all the rats and mice have <laughs> run away because the two-legged mice have come in over there. So uh, this is what's happening. So you will get that. And uh, the thing is, from time to time, uh, you've got to have that guy. He's very good, actually. And, you know, they, they've got that little uh, sort of like a broom handle sort of stuff. And they've got like a looped sort of uh, yes. table. Yeah, that's insulated with plastic. And that's a short sure shot to catch those things. That way you are safe and you bag it and off you go. But uh, I think it's more the uh, the shock, the the terror of seeing a snake right up close and personal that even though some of them will be harmless sand snakes and all that, we don't know them as far as we are concerned, our upbringing. If you see a snake, it needs to be killed, that sort of attitude. And uh, this is the, the fear that's all pervasive and uh, leads to people reacting in that manner. Because most times if you leave the, the snake alone, it, it uh, goes off into the bush or wherever and it leaves you alone. It's only if you confront it and do something stupid that uh, it'll attack you. Remember the poem, the snake, it came to the water trough and yeah. uh, I took snake a stone and, and, and I Chester, threw it. Chested and that was the poet. Uh, yeah, yeah. A water trough, I remember uh, that. Beautiful one, isn't it, Ba? Absolutely. So, so when I see a snake coming to the water trough, <laughs> I say, no, 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 I'm not going to fill and off you go. Off you go. But a great chat with you this evening. Uh, perhaps your parting words before I let you go. Oh, you reckon it's that time of the day already? Look right. at the watch, Ba. We've gone to 30, uh, 30 minutes and one half a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, look, uh, let's just, uh, you know, talking about the uh, scenarios and the circumstances around the world, what we must understand and appreciate is as human beings and all creatures that were created by Allah, we especially being the highest of his creation, uh, all created in his image. And yet we were each created differently and uniquely. And no two people are like, no two hearts beat the same rhythm. And if Allah wanted everyone to be the same, he could very easily have made it so. Therefore, I think uh, disrespecting differences and imposing our thoughts and views and judgment on others 
is uh, tantamount to disrespecting Allah's holy scheme. So I think let us be more careful about being judgmental and uh, passing value judgments on people that we don't even know. A good point indeed. Uh, everything great and small, the good Lord made them. Hmm. Hey, Ba, you bring out the best in anyone. You have a beautiful and lovely evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh ba. and of course all our listeners out there take good care of yourself and may Allah be with you forever and always. Amin asumma amin our duas for Ibrahim Ba also reciprocal. Thank you very much Alukalo for great engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the TV night till we meet you again we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.